Welcome back to Falling in Love with Yourself. My name is Jenny and I just want to say how grateful I am that you're here. I'm grateful that you're showing up for yourself. I'm super grateful that you found me and we found each other. And I hope that this episode helps you to think, helps you to feel, helps you to grow, and maybe to heal a little bit. That's what this journey of self-love is all about. It's about taking a step back from life, looking inward, and truly falling in love with ourself so that we can show up in this world better, equipped to handle all the outside stuff that comes our way. So I'm so grateful that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about something that can be kind of uncomfortable and taboo to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about money, our relationship with money, our beliefs about money, and how it can truly exemplify our self-worth or how it could tear down our self-worth. So take a break, grab your favorite beverage, snuggle up in a cozy spot with your journal, or put your AirPods in, take a walk or a run, whatever you are doing over this next hour. I hope that you are fully present with me to take care of you. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to Falling in Love with Yourself. We all want more love, right? Most of us spend a lifetime looking for love, but we look for it from external sources like romantic relationships, family members, careers, even food, drugs, or material items. My name is Jenny Drake, and this podcast is to guide you back to your greatest source of love, yourself. We have been conditioned to believe that loving ourselves first is selfish. It's not selfish. As a matter of fact, it is the pathway to happiness, joy, and fulfillment. The root of all of our happiness and unhappiness begins with the relationship we have with ourselves. We hear often that we need more self-love, but I'm here to teach you how. Whether you are single or in a relationship, a stay-at-home mom or a CEO, in college or retired, we all can grow in areas of self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-trust, and self-fulfillment. I'm divorced. I'm an empty nester. I'm a mother of two living her best life. Now I'm living my best life. I'm also a recovering perfectionist, recovering control freak, recovering people pleaser, and I used to be a martyr. I also have the gift of gab and transparency, so you will hear lots and lots of details about how I practice my recovery and all of these traits and how I have grown through the process of loving myself. I will share exercises and suggestions that I use with my coaching clients that have helped break down barriers in all areas of life. So grab a mug or a glass and fill it with your favorite beverage Find a cozy spot and consider this a date with yourself. Are you excited to fall madly and deeply back in love with yourself? 
Welcome back. So today we are going to talk about money. And you might be thinking, what in the world does money have to do with self-love and how do we make that connection? Well, first of all, money is in everybody's life. Like it's one of those constants. It's always there. It's never going away. And we use it every single day. It's one of the most important tools that we have in our life. So because we're using it and because we need it to survive, of course, it plays a huge role in our beings while we're here in this, in this world. And we know, you know, there's so many cliches, money makes the world go around and all of that. So it's really important to start to pay attention to our relationship with money if we are going to have a healthy life and if we're going to be emotionally, physically, and spiritually balanced. As a matter of fact, I think our relationship with money is one of the most, one of the top relationships that we have in our life. Of course, I believe that the relationship that we have with our higher power, our God, our source, the universe, our creator is the first and foremost important relationship. And then right behind it, as you know, because it's the basis of my podcast and my whole entire life. The relationship that we have with ourself right after our higher power is right up there as the most important. Of course, our loved ones, you know, our children, our spouses, our partners, our parents, our siblings, our family members, that relationship those relationships are incredibly important as well. And then our relationship with money, I believe in my mind comes right after that. And the reason that I can say this is because I used to have a really horrible relationship with money. Um, and this podcast episode, I'm going to ask you some questions and I really want you to think about your relationship with money, your not just how you spend it and how you grow it, but your beliefs about it and your thoughts about it and your emotions around money. Money used to be such a taboo topic, but that wasn't healthy. So we're going to talk about it today. Um, just like most of my podcast episodes, so much of our beliefs, well, all of our beliefs were created in our childhood. So our belief system and our relationship with money started when we were very, very young before we were even making money. But we observed our parents. And depending on your generation, 
there have been times in society and your parents might have gone through it of very stressful times in regards to money. And whether it have been the depression or um, the 1950s and then the um, economic crisis of 2008, we watched or participated in very stressful economic times. Um, so the first question is, is I want you to think back about when you were a child and how was money talked about? And maybe it wasn't even talked about. Maybe you're of that generation and your parents where money is a private matter between us two parents and our children don't need to know about money. So maybe it was very secretive. Or maybe you felt the vibe when money was tight or it could be so subconscious, you guys. Like if the car breaks down, did one of our parents freak out or get more stressed or maybe drink more alcohol to deal with that stress? It could be very subconscious as, as we were children of learning about our parents' emotions towards money. So think back to your childhood and what did you observe and experience in regards to money? And how is that manifesting and playing out in your life today? So one of my um, self-love quickies, it's called self-love quickie abundance. The abundance and scarcity mindset are very, very prevalent when it comes to money. And our parents modeled and taught us about either the scarcity mindset or abundant mindset. So as a child, again, I say this in almost every episode, um, I was the baby. I came later in the game. Um, my older siblings, there's four of them, all have different experiences because of the seasons that they were children in my family. So it's very interesting to talk to my siblings because even though we were raised by the same parents, depending on what my parents were going through at that time, formed their opinions and belief systems about money. So by the time I came along, my parents were homeowners and my dad had a very stable executive job. And my mom had been a stay-at-home mom. I remember her being a stay-at-home mom for um, my early childhood. She went back to work when I was about in sixth grade. Um, and that was significant in my life. And I'll share that in just a moment. But my parents, I didn't feel the stresses of 
finances like maybe some of my older siblings had in the earlier years of my parents' marriage. Um, one of the greatest things about my mom, when she did go to work, <laughs> my mom was so great. And I didn't know at the time how significant it was, but as I, you know, create my own money relationship, my mom was a huge example, even though in my early childhood, she was a stay-at-home mom and she was such a homemaker. When she went back to work, she did two things. She joined an investment club. And this was a group of ladies. I think that there was like six to 10 of them. And they would meet once a month at a local restaurant. And we always knew, I always knew what was going on in my parents' life because little side note that has nothing to do with money. My mom never drove. My mom didn't have a driver's license um, for various reasons. She just, it just never happened for her. Um, even though she was a very independent woman, she wasn't a driver. And so growing up, the investment club was like, you know, something on her calendar and she would need rides to it from my dad. And so we knew when mom's investment club was meeting. So I knew that she was going to an investment club, but I didn't have any idea what they did or what, I didn't even know it had anything to do with money. I kind of knew it had to do with like investing, but she didn't talk too much about until, this is the cool part of it, until it was time for me to get married and we sat down and had the budget talk about my wedding. And she said, I have such and such amount of cash for your wedding. And I was, I was kind of dumbfounded because it was a significant amount of money and this is your budget for your wedding and and I have it in cash. And I was like, wait, what? And she said, yeah, this is from my investment club. So what a smart woman that she joined this club. They did some investments and, you know, within a decade or 15 years, she was able to pay cash for my wedding. I'm just so grateful for that. Um, what an example to me. My mom was always a saver. She would, as a matter of fact, I was just up cleaning out my parents' house with my dad as he was preparing to sell. And my mom had this great desk. And I knew, you know, this is where she kept her note cards and her, my mom was such an amazing person. And, but he showed me little secret this is like an old secretary desk, little secret compartments. And he would say, Ooh, let's see if, she, you know, my mom has not been with us for over th oh, just about three years now, but he said, Ooh, this is where she used to store her cash. And so my mom was a saver. She always taught me that if you make $10, put two of it away. There was never a given amount, but she, she always said, like, put some away. And we did great things as a family. We didn't, I didn't grow up living an extravagant life. 
It wasn't, but it was very, it was a privileged life. I will say it was an upper middle-class life. And as my mom went back to work, um, one of the things that I remember is she would take me clothes shopping. I mean, my dad would take us because she didn't drive, but my mom used her money for my clothes. And I noticed a big change in that. We would go to, this is really dating me, but Laura Ashley Nordstrom, you know, and she would want me to have nice things. I do feel bad a little bit because I chose things that I knew she would like and they would sit in my closet. And now as an adult, I look back and I'm, <laughs> I think, oh my gosh, she was spending her hard earned money and I was people pleasing by, I was not that kid that would pitch a fit about, I would get like what she wanted me to get and either I wore it and felt ridiculous or it sat in my closet. There was some of that going on in my childhood. Um, but anyway, so me growing up, I had a very healthy relationship with money. It was a tool. If we had it, you know, we used it. I knew that there was a, some sort of savings going on. Um, we didn't talk too much about debt. And then I got married. And if you've heard any of my podcasts, you'll know my ex-husband and I, we forgot to fall in love <laughs> and we forgot to be compatible. Now, ironically enough, his views about money and his attitude towards money was a real plus for me when in the short time that we were dating because he was very focused and driven on being self-reliant, being self-supportive, and not being in debt. When you're dating, <laughs> it's interesting like when you're dating how some of the things that are attractive after you get married, you end up really not liking them because our views about money were so different. I believe that money is just um, a tool, just like time. I, I really view time and money. I actually view time as more scarce than money. I believe that money is out there to be not hoarded, but to be in flow. And I believe that money is energy. And if I get money... I do good things with money and I put it back out into the world. I just, I really do feel like money is just a tool for us to live a life while we're here on earth. Um, but I, I didn't marry someone that had that same philosophy or that same belief system or that same relationship with money. And he very much was raised in a scarcity mindset. And I really want to reiterate, there is no good, bad, right, or wrong. It's just different. His parents lived a very different life than my parents. And he was, my ex-husband was raised very differently than my parents. And like I said, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. It just wasn't 
a compatibility in our belief system. And what I ended up doing was adopting, kind of taking on his views. And I'm going to pause. And if you're in a relationship where you share money, I want to ask you if this is bringing anything up for you. Because how in line are you financially and in your relationship um, about money with your with your partner? Because chances are one person makes more money than the other, and it's something that can be a major source of contention in a relationship. And it was for us because I started trying to adopt his scarcity mindset and living under his belief system, which was not true to me. And so money became a very big source of control. Um, I gave up my belief system, my independence around money because he was, because of his, his beliefs. Um, and it really wasn't about money that was doing the detriment to my self-worth and my self-love. It was not being true to my truth. And hindsight is twenty twenty. I can definitely tell you my experience and what I would have done differently. My experience was I was so intimidated by him being in charge of the money. Um, his career is based in finance. And so I just gave up all my power. Instead of being autonomous and independent, I just gave up. It became a... Um, employer-employee type relationship when it came to money. And I allowed that. I take my part in the responsibility. It was easier for me to just give up financially and let him, like he paid all the bills, he was in charge because it wasn't a partnership. Um, the attitudes were not partnership. When I would try to speak up about money, um, it was very, it was received, you know, um, he became an authority. And so I just kind of let it all go. And over the course, you know, we were married for 22 years. And so my relationship with money became one of anxiety, stress, low self-worth. Um, I think that that, 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 and my physical health were the two lowest parts of my self-love is my relationship with money. And so that's why I really want you to think about, are you living true to your belief system with money in your relationship? What I would have done differently, um, I have no regrets because of course, everything is a lesson. But the lesson that I learned was I would have fought to have some of my own money. 
I believe, and what I tell my coaching clients is have together money and have some separate money as well. And, you know, your partner have separate money and you have separate money, whatever your budget can afford. And there is no questions asked and you can't say anything about how each other spends their own separate money. I believe that that would have been healthier for me instead of giving up all my financial control. Um, because what I did is I adopted the scarcity mindset. We made good money. Even after I stopped teaching full-time, we continued to make good money. But the feeling was always there was never enough. You know, how could we get more? And, and the other thing that I've learned from this situation, and I do believe in having zero debt. I love Dave Ramsey. Um, but I also believe that you should be saving. I adopted my mom's philosophy, saving a little bit, even if it's $10 a, a week as you are paying down your debt. Because if you wait to save after your debt is paid down, you're never going to save. And I can say like, such a big source of my self-confidence and my self-love and my self-worth is now I've been divorced for almost four years. I manage my money in such a way that gives me so much satisfaction and pleasure. Like I love looking at my bank account. I love knowing that I can spend this amount of money. I love living in the abundant mindset, which is what my truth was the entire time. But saving while you are getting rid of debt is so amazing. For what, what saving does for me is gives me peace of mind because how many times have you had a car repair or an inflated tax bill that you weren't expecting, and you literally feel panic-stricken. I do not want that feeling whatsoever. So I live the lifestyle that I want while putting money away so that it just happened the other day. Like I was driving on a road trip and my tire blew. Or, you know, you get into a fender bender. There's so many times that I was panic stricken about insurance rates going up, or now I need to buy a new tire. When we have an emergency fund, we don't have that panic anymore. And that is so, that, that is such an act of self-love. That is such an act. Now you might be saying, Jen, I don't have it in my budget. Yes, you do. Yes, you do you can look where to cut back. Maybe I've, I live a great lifestyle in a very expensive area in the nation, but I live it in a way where I don't live beyond my means. I don't pay for cable. I only have Netflix and Hulu so that I can live here and so that I can save some money. So that that is such a big act of self-love 
is putting a little bit, it doesn't even matter. Like don't go to Starbucks for two days in a row or, you know, whatever you can trim, put that in savings and that will give you so, so much peace of mind. Um, I was just listening to a podcast episode where Jack Canfield was the speaker and he said, all billionaires do three things. Now, it's okay to want to be successful. That's what I want to talk about next is having our emotions tied um, to how much we make. So I want to ask you the question, how much of your self-worth and success is based on your income? Um, and I believe that wanting to make a certain amount of money a year, that's okay. Like it's not bad to want to be successful and to want to earn a lot of money if the motivations and the intentions are healthy. If we want to earn seven figures because that's where our self-worth will come from, that's completely different than I want to earn seven figures because I want to live this lifestyle of giving back and, um, you know, doing good things with my money. That's completely different. So is your self-worth tied to your income? And I talk, again, I coach women. And one of the things that comes up a lot is women who have left their professions or their careers or even taken a step back to go part-time to raise their family. This literally comes up on a weekly basis for me that women's self-worth Get, takes a hit because we've taken time to raise our family or nurture or do that. And so there is a huge part of us to be aware that our self-worth is linked to our income, our career, and our jobs. I know that this is part of human nature. It is something that is within us. I believe that it's a divine lesson that we all have to learn and grow and move through, which is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast episode. I want to say it is normal for our self-worth to be tied to our jobs. However, just because it's normal and it's common and we all feel it to a certain degree, we have to be aware of it. And we have to manage that. Because if all of our all of our self-worth is tied to our career and our income, what is going to happen when we lose our job? What is going to happen when I was very, very, very torn when I got to the point, when my kids, let's see, my youngest was in kindergarten. When my kids went to school full time, 
I was really feeling pulled to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was very conflicted about that because I had married someone under the pretenses that I was going to be a teacher and I was going to work. I was going to be one of those teachers that taught till I was retired. And I knew it was going to be like pulling a rug out from under him when I was really feeling pulled to be a stay-at-home mom. And the reason why I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom was because he was he worked about 80 hours a week building his career. He was not around a lot of the time. My kids were very well taken care of in daycare as preschoolers and toddlers. But as they went to school, I wanted to be able to support them in their education as a stay-at-home mom. I wanted to be that mom like I had when they came home, a good meal was going to be on the table. I could sit down and do their homework with them. You know, I could drive them to their sports. I wanted to do that for my children. And I knew me being a full-time teacher, like I was going through drive-through. The last thing I wanted to do with them was to sit down and do their homework with them because I had just helped 20 to 30 students all day. So it was a hard time in our marriage when I was feeling pulled to be a stay-at-home mom because, because of who he was, he was just looking at it financially and he was like, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. And finally, he got to the point of faith of, okay, let's give this a try. And it did work. And I was very happy. However, because a lot of my worth was based on my education, my degree, and my job, I took a hit after I became a stay-at-home mom. And I do talk to women, as I said before, every single week that feels that same thing. So how do we get through that? The first Key is self-awareness, asking yourself how much of your self-worth is tied to your career job income or lack thereof. Do you feel like a failure because you stay home with your kids? Consciously, we understand that being a mom at home with our kids is such an important thing to do, but it conflicts with our belief system. And I just did a self-love quickie this past week about failure. I really, really encourage you to go back and listen to that because we might have a childhood belief system of what success looks like. Um, so I had mentioned a little bit about that urge to be successful. And I am not saying that like I have my biggest urge when it comes to money is I want to be self-reliant. I want to live a lifestyle that I support myself. And that's a righteous desire. That's, that's a healthy desire. Do I beat myself up when that doesn't happen? Yes. So I have to manage those expectations of myself. I have to really manage my relationship that is tied to that. 
I mentioned Jack Canfield talking about billionaires. I think it's really important to have a healthy desire to earn. He had mentioned that billionaires do three things. And it's just part of the awareness in the acceptance that money is important. And so he said, it's kind of a side note. The whole reason I'm bringing him up is because he was referencing billionaires. And the point is we still look to people who make a lot of money, right? He wouldn't be talking about the three things billionaires do if that wasn't part of our human nature to look up to people who make a lot of money. So being in aware and in acceptance that that's the way our society is, is okay, right? It's okay to want to make a lot of money. It's okay as long as it is for healthy reasons within our soul. Um, just to finish that off, he said that billionaires do three things. They exercise, meditate, and read, which I love. I do all three of those things. And I think all of those things are really, really important. Um, the last thing that I want to touch upon is how our spending and using money is an outward illustration of our inward self-worth. And I've talked about this a little bit before. And I, I, I've been there to where I didn't think, I didn't think I was worthy of spending money on myself. I, I think in past episodes, I've talked about um, the hair dye box. The hair dye box for me is a total representation of when I had given up my self-worth. Now, I'm not saying if you dye your hair from a store-bought box, I am not saying you have low self-worth. Please understand that. But for me, that is a representation of when I had given up myself because getting my hair colored before I was married. Like I was a college student working a job at a hotel, but I, it was important for me to buy nice hair products at the time. I had long, red, curly hair. Some people said it kind of looked like um, Elaine from um, Seinfeld when it was darker. And then it kind of crossed over a little bit when I do more red, it was more like Julia Roberts from um, Pretty Woman. I had, I know it's hard to imagine, but in college I had luscious, beautiful locks and I spent money on my hair. And then when I got married and things kind of changed, um, I went, I, one of the things that I decided to do and I take full responsibility, I wasn't forced to do it. I started buying $7.99 boxes and doing my own hair. And, you know, I was being frugal and I was sticking to a budget. My ex-husband was very, very, very much about budgets, cash budgets. And so, you know, when you live very strictly to budget, you make decisions. And my decision was to use a box. After I got a divorce... And I was talking to my financial planner, which 
I recommend everybody find a financial planner that they trust and put a little bit of money each month into investments. Talk to somebody, interview people. That was one of the first things that I did after my divorce. And I am so grateful for it because I know that my money is growing. That's different from my emergency fund. My investment money is different from my emergency fund, by the way. But she was talking to me about budgeting and she was saying, okay, you know, um, self-care, you know, nails, hair. And she said, well, you know, you have a certain amount in your budget for hair. Could you go back on that? And I bit her head off. I was like, no, (laughs) that is not something I'm going to let go of because for me, That box of store-bought hair was representative of a time when I was not worthy of spending money on myself. That was the time when my kids were wearing Janie and Jack and Nordstrom clothes, and I was wearing, you know, a lot lower level. I don't really want to say because I don't want to make anyone feel bad that is buying their clothes at those places, but... I was showing that my, I was spending money on myself like my self-worth was. Another thing was food. I was buying cheap, unhealthy food because I didn't think I was worth the money for nutritious, healthy, fresh, clean foods. Let's face it, those are more expensive. So I would rather go through the drive through and spend 10 bucks, then go and buy $10 worth of fresh food. So how is you, how are you spending money showing what your self-worth is and investing in yourself? The last thing I want to talk about is I talk to women all the time. One of the hard things about being a self-love coach, and I'm just going to be really transparent here, and this might hit a nerve, but the people who need me the most are the people not wanting to pay for it because the people who have not nurtured their self-love in a long time need me the most, but they will not pay the money to hire me as a coach. That's why I do so much free stuff on my Instagram page. That's why I go live every Tuesday and Thursday at 1130 a.m. Pacific time. That's why I do that. That's why I do this podcast for free. That's why I host Monday Motivation Tribe on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific time for free. Because the women who need it the most don't think that they're worth the money. But let me tell you, going to therapy, getting an Audible subscription, hiring a self-love coach, that is money well spent. I have never once regretted a book that I've bought, a workbook that I've bought, Any therapy that I've paid for, any coaching, I have three coaches right now and I do not regret it one bit 
because that money is the most important money that I am spending, period. So if you have low self-worth, if you have low self-compassion, the money that you spend on getting that better is the most important money that you will be able to spend because your whole life will change when you grow your self-love, when you grow your self-worth. I am living proof. I always say that my self-love and self-worth was not at rock bottom. It was buried under those rocks. And here I am living a, yeah, I, I had a rough day yesterday, but I am living a beautiful life filled with serenity as a single woman and as a mother of two adults owning two businesses because I worked on my self-love. I fell back in love with myself. I invested in myself. And you can do that too. So if you are feeling called right now to work on yourself and nurture this relationship within yourself, please reach out to me. Please reach out to me. If you have the need, you can invest in yourself and it will be the best money you will ever spend. My lovely, lovely self-lovers, you are worthy of everything you desire. As a matter of fact, your creator and the universe wants you to have everything you desire, even more beyond what we can comprehend. It is out there for you. You are worthy of it. It is within your grasp. I can help you. I can help you and self-love is the key. Your relationships will flourish. Your relationship with money will flourish. Your life will flourish. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you listening to this podcast. Please reach out to me if this has touched you in any way. Thank you so much for your ratings and your reviews and sharing this on social media. Again, find me at Jenny underscore Drake underscore if you want to come to our Monday Motivation Tribe or if you just want to leave me a DM about how this episode touched you. Thank you so very much and I will talk to you soon. Much love.